This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Janelle. I have dozens of plant babies. I don't use purses, and my resting heart rate is 48 beats per minute. Hi, I'm Maya. I live in Canada. I'm scared of horses, and you can always find me with a water bottle. Hi, I'm Rachel. I like to keep my nails so short that no whites show, if at all possible. I'm pretty sure my multivitamin was giving me acne, and I hate being rushed. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. I also feel like I still have my morning voice. I just woke up, so better. I do too. I do too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, uh... So the only other thing I was going to call out is, Maya, we are not going to do the three things. In the beginning, we're just going to grab... Oh my God, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, love you guys. Um, We're just going to use the same three from last time. Oh, my God. I used to do that all the time. You guys watch the cartoon Rick and Morty? No. No, I don't. Oh, damn it. Okay, you're not going to think it's this funny. I don't really either, but Dylan and his best friend from um, college were one of his best friends. They watch it, and when she started, she lives down here, too, and when the three of us started hanging out she was like oh my god she's just like the grandpa so the grandpa in the show is like always drunk he's a scientist and so he's always like talking about these like big science things and like trying to get i can't i think morty's the kid he's trying to get morty to like go on these intergalactic adventures with him but he's like semi-drunk and so he's always getting him into trouble and while he's talking he's like burping halfway through so he'll be like you gotta get the uh, and like the two of them were like, oh, my God, you're Rick. You're Rick. You're the grandpa. Anyways, okay. Um, <laughs> that's This is how today is going to go. That's true, though. Just, you know, your burping's kind of calmed down, though. I know. I haven't I haven't been drinking Topo as much. I've been drinking a different um, thing. Also, Dylan is convinced that there's a thing called carb burps, and I guess I really don't eat carbs as much anymore maybe anyways okay we should carb actually burps? Carb, this is... carb burps like carbs yeah no i understand i just it's a scientifically proven dude you should hear his carb burps it is insane i, I mean i can't even explain to you we have we'll be in our living room <clears throat> or our apartment with the windows open <clears throat> I just, I, I, it's deafening how loud he can burp. I, I've never met anyone like it. It's so loud. I feel like the neighbors probably are like, what was that? I <laughs> wish I could record it. I seriously, I, I, I feel like people think I'm joking, but it's like, I, sometimes I have to it's cover my loud. ears. It's so loud. I, I, okay. You guys are like, this is, new, this is nothing. And I was like, nothing. okay, that was a really loud burp. Burp, burp, burp. But yeah, if he has bread... And Topo Chico, just game over. Game over. Okay, anyways. <laughs> body talk. That is body talk. Oh, yeah, it. that is body talk. It's yeah. like actual body talk. Oh, that's funny. Okay. All right, are you guys ready? 
Oh, this is yeah. all the way to the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> Maya, welcome back. So <clears throat> I'm sure Janelle's going to have a preamble and I might be like doubling up, but I'm going to say it anyways. We're back for part two with our conversation with Maya around the fitness industry and um, how too much like when is too much too much and how do you listen to your body and how does recovery and slowing down fit into, um, you know, our physical wellness. Um, yeah, it's, it was a really cool conversation, Maya, and it felt like there was more to, to continue to talk about. So I'm, we're really excited to have you back and see where today's conversation goes. So welcome back to the True North Collective. Hello, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> Did you get your whoop? Get my whoop in? Did you get your whoop? <laughs> the whoop, whoop. Oh, the whoop. I, was, I thought you were like, whoop, whoop. I was like, I, I guess did I technically just whoop, whoop. And then I asked you if you got a whoop. That was very confusing. Yeah, it was, it was but that's okay. Now we figured it out. Um, well, whoop, whoop. Yes, I did. <laughs> but yeah, I did get my whoop, actually. I've been... Uh, I've been enjoying it so far. Cool. Yeah. What have you have you learned anything, or is it too soon? I know it takes time to build up data. Um. No, I've uh, I've definitely learned some things. I've learned that actually I sleep a lot better than I thought I did. Good. Like most part, yeah. I you know I have my days where I don't have a good sleep, but I know that. But you know, some days I'll like wake up tired and be like, "You slept at ninety nine percent efficiency," and I'm like. Okay, so I'm clearly, I guess, tired for other reasons. Like, it's maybe not my sleep. Or I think everybody just assumes that, you know, if you're not getting, like, a full eight, eight-plus hours that you're not getting a good sleep. But I guess that's just not true. So, yeah, I guess I'm sleeping a lot better than I thought I do. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, sometimes I always find it interesting on some of the nights when I only get six hours of sleep and I wake up with a high recovery score. I'm like, hmm. mm-hmm. and then sometimes like it, it's more about the timing I've realized of when I wake up, like that can actually have more of an effect on how, I mean, yes, the duration is important, but like the yeah. time I go to bed and wake up is actually, I think sometimes even more important as long as it's, I'm sleeping within like a six to eight hour range. Yeah. I've kind of noticed the same thing. And also, I mean, you could be in bed for eight and a half hours and get a terrible sleep or be in bed for six and a half hours and then get a great sleep and then it ends up yeah being better or you have that higher recovery score so yeah I mean Good. it's all like it's it yeah yeah it's been great it's funny how we literally just talked about how more or we were talking about how more <clears throat> More is not always better. <laughs> and then the same is true for sleep. That's kind of cool, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have been, since we last talked and the, we posed a question about, is, is it my ego talking or is it my soul talking? Um, I think it was perfect timing to have that conversation as we were going into the shelter in place um, <clears throat> for the COVID situation. Because I was, I was totally exercising from a place of ego and I was feeling like it wasn't working. And when I started to ask myself, 
you know, what does my soul want today? It's completely changed the way I've been working out. It's actually changed my motivation around it. Um, and then funnily enough, I, in the coaching program that I'm in, they actually, they have some details around, you know, if so, a client comes to you wanting to use physical activity or wanting a solution through the realm of physical activity, what do we do? Because as a coach, we're there to hold space for, you know, their highest potential and physical activity for sure plays a part. Um, and our role isn't obviously a personal trainer. However, our role is to be able to acknowledge that physical activity and the physical experience is a huge part of, is a huge tool in being able to step into the fullness of yourself. And they were talking about associated and disassociated movement, which I thought was really interesting. Um, disassociated movement being when you are doing something, but you're not present to it. You're not using the movement to actually get connected with your body. And that, in fact, the re one of the main reasons that physical activity is exists, why we should be doing it is like, yes, for the health benefits and stuff, but it is the way to get to know our body. But we never look at the physical experience, the fitness experience as a means to get to know ourselves. It's always to look a certain way. At least that's how it's been for me. And so um, I just, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally work out disassociated. Or like if I could, when I was training for my half marathon, I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to go on the treadmill and I'm going to watch these shows. Okay, I'm completely not paying attention to how my hamstrings feel, if my posture is accurate. Um, and if I invite myself to actually pay attention to my body and I listen to like, okay, let's slow down and recover right now so that we can speed up later or have the energy more days out of the week instead of being out of commission for, for not having listened to myself. Like, what does that do? So I've been kind of playing with that and been pleasantly surprised by the amount of energy my body actually has to work out more days because I'm not trying to hit some arbitrary number that I've decided was the goal and more about yeah. feeling. That's how I am. Anytime we've trained for Ragnar, I used to kind of, I mean, let's, let's be real. I've never done a good job of training for Ragnar, but like trying to follow training programs. And I would just find that I would either just hate it or, I would really be hurting after a run like for days later and especially like unfortunately a Ragnar got canceled this year um but I've my workout routine has completely changed since quarantine as well and when I've been running it's actually been really freeing not to run with my Garmin or just pay attention to any of it. Like I basically, even sometimes my whoop, like I won't necessarily use the strain coach um, on it. And it's just like, just run until it doesn't feel good anymore. <laughs> and then I just stop and then I walk and I don't beat myself up about it. And even if it was just a 15 minute run or a 20 minute run, or if I sprinted at some points and walked at some points, just like, like doing it, like you said, because it feels good versus necessarily trying to be like I need to run four miles today and it needs to be hills and it needs to be at this pace because 
that would always just feel so discouraging to me, especially when I track my pace and realize that I don't run very fast. Like, cause there'd be be days where I'm like, that was such a good run. I was going so fast. And then I would look down at my Garmin and I'm like, Hmm, that is not, it's like very slow pace for you. I I thought I was running really fast today and I would just leave feeling really bad about myself versus accomplished and in tune that I just did something that felt good to me. Yes, I actually, okay, so I have two points that kind of came up for me while you both were talking. So one was, I think we even talked about a little bit about injury in the last podcast, but um, like when you're not listening or you're not paying attention or you're just yeah you're doing it because you set out this workout or you're on a training program and you're not really asking yourself the questions like do I want to do this or can I do this or what does my body feel like that's when injury can occur right because you're you know you're almost like pushing you're pushing through it or you're not paying attention or you know your workout program says you have to complete you know 20 squats at whatever weight and then you end up doing it and you're just like hey gotta get the 20 and then you push through however you can to get the 20 and you know at the end it turns out you didn't quite have that in you today or you yeah you lost you know that strength or that position you know in your core or um, in your legs so I mean that's a big thing I think even for people who are just looking at this more in a sense of not even so much as like wanting to like really feel into and connect their body but for people who want to like improve their training or even get stronger like that's something that you kind of have to keep in mind and then another thing is um like the spin studio that I worked at they have this kind of cool system where you can look after and you see um kind of your stats within the class which can be really great but for some people I think it can be really discouraging. And for me, myself, even being an instructor um, or motivators, as we were called, um, looking, going into rides and feeling really good and feeling like I may even had like a crazy, almost like spiritual moment or, you know, I felt like I was in a meditative state with, you know, the way I was pedaling. And then you go outside and it's like, oh, I was 26 out of 29 people. And that could be really discouraging and like, okay, well, you should be stronger because you do this for a living, right? And that, I think, I I definitely recognize that like earlier on and that was one of the first kind of signals to me, like something isn't right. Like, how is it that I can feel so good in there? And then I come out and then I see that thing and it, you know, actually makes me, sad or upset to see it so I can kind of like I've never had a garment or anything actually before this whoop but I I understand kind of what that feels like right like you, you think you have this great workout or this great you know experience and then you go and you look at like the, the, the data and you're like oh okay so but you know that's that can be kind of subjective right because we're all our own people who have our our own limitations and our own strengths, right? And I think that's really, when we look at it, that's kind of where the ego really plays into it, right? Is when you when you go back to that and, and you see those numbers and you let it determine how you're going to feel or how your workout um, is going to essentially, what it's going to do for you. 
Oh, you, yes. I mean, I feel like you've just captured such a, such a, such a micro, you know, scenario that is actually such a, like, bigger macro situation that we're all in of, like, literally that feeling like you feel like you had a spiritual moment because it does sometimes feel like that when you're in these classes you know and and then to come out and all that people pay attention to is the leaderboard I mean that is such an epitome of like the experience that we've created in the world for how we validate things it's it's always the the chart the numbers are the thing that are that we focus on and I'm not saying in a bad it's that, that it's bad it's just we've kind of neglected the other half of it we we haven't figured out how to capture the the impact of the again for lack of a better word like that soul connection the spiritual moment the the moments where you're like had the chills um when I lived in Vancouver I had trained for the ride to conquer cancer and it was a crazy story. It's for another time. It was awesome. And I was in Gale Force Winds riding my bike. But I do that and I loved it so much that I decided to sign up for the Grand Fondo, which is from Vancouver to Whistler two weeks later. And I had never really been a long distance bike rider. I had a hybrid bike with like, it was not a road bike. It had hybrid wheels, hybrid handles. Like it was pretty heavy. And when I would ride people were always like, what are you? <laughs> I mean, people rode crazier things than I was, but they were like, what are you riding? Anyway, so I decided to do this Grand Fondo and I'm feeling really good because I'd been training for the last like several months for the Ride to Conquer Cancer. And so I was like, I'm strong. I'm going to do this. I, you know, people are passing me because my bike is like heavier than theirs. But like I had an out-of-body experience riding from Vancouver to Whistler like that I don't know if I, either of you have taken that drive it's hands down like the most beautiful drive ever and I got to do it on my bike and it's like the elevation gain is bananas and I ended up sleeping in a teepee in some campsite afterwards like it was this magical weekend and I get there at the end and I'm like so proud of myself and I think that I finished the race in a certain amount of time and I'm like feeling not too shabby like I go to the stretch tent by the time I get home and I check the numbers like people are starting to ask like how well, always it's the first thing how when did you finish how long did it take you not how did it feel not are you proud of yourself nothing like that when did you finish when did you finish when did you finish and of course out of like the goodness of like they're not trying to be dicks and I was like, I thought I had finished it in like this certain amount of time that was my goal. And come to find out, I actually finished it. I was slower than this 70-year-old man who was the dad of somebody else who was going. And he was like, I'm going to just try it. And he was faster than me. And it was heart-wrenching. Like, and then all of a sudden, everybody who was asking me my time, I was like, well, do I just divert? do I, am I honest? And then they kind of just like blow me off. Like it was, and it was like that whole magic that I had experienced of like climbing this crazy ass mountain on my bike and being like, oh my God, I don't have to stop and walk. I'm actually like continuing to ride up this thing and like, holy shit, look at that view. Oh my God. Was just like totally ripped out from under me. And I really had to work to balance like 
it's okay that it took you as long as it took you. It doesn't say anything about you. It doesn't take away from the fact that you fucking did it. And like, but that was hard. Like, okay, great. A 70 year old man who just decided out of like, I'm going to do this for myself. And I'm with like healthy, you know, young thirties back then I had been training and like, damn, you know, so I can really relate to that. I think I actually wrote a blog post about it, which Janelle, maybe I should try to um, resurface it because yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. I did. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I can really relate. You just like pulled up a visceral thing for me there <laughs> and how cool would it be? And could it be if like us, we started changing the conversation? I think back then I was very much from a place of like, Oh, that sucked. Oh my gosh. But I didn't really empower myself actually. And now sitting here, it's like, I actually have the power to be able to recognize how many races are going on constantly, how many times somebody is in a class next to me. And I have the power to be able to ask a different kind of question of myself and of other people. What did it feel like? What are you proud of? Um, Versus when did you finish? So it's kind of interesting. Yes, that's huge. Also, I have to say that the drive to or like to Whistler from Vancouver, you are correct. It is by far the most beautiful piece of highway ever. I drove there for the first time. I think it would have been like, well, earlier than this time last year, but I had actually moved to Whistler for a couple months. Um, and I had never done the drive before because I had never been to Whistler. And I'm honestly surprised I didn't get into an accident. I don't think I was ever looking at the road. Like, I just, it was hard not to look around you. Like, it was, it's so gorgeous. And I remember I hit it on, like, a day when it was, like, beautifully sunny, like, almost not a cloud in the sky. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I was, like... Yeah, it's it's amazing, and I would highly recommend that anybody who hasn't done it just do it for the sake of doing it. And Whistler's pretty cool. Whistler's yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. You know, so my my boyfriend lived out of his car for a year, and so he's driven like all over. So when I moved to Canada, <clears throat> we road tripped from Minnesota to Seattle, where I was just camped out until my visa went through. But we went to all these different places. We drove through the pass in Colorado and like all his favorite drives. And I was like, hell yeah, this is cool, Dylan, but you gotta do, oh, I guess I didn't know about the Whistler drive at that point. No, I did, I did, I did, because I had visited um, Vancouver. So I was like, you gotta do this drive. And he was like, you know, I bet it's pretty, but I bet it's not as pretty. And then when I moved up there, we took the drive and on the way back down, he just turned me and he was like, you're right. He's like, I thought maybe you just like hadn't seen everything and maybe you just like didn't know all that was out there. But he's like, I've seen a lot and this is hands down the prettiest dress. And I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) We are so excited for our dear friend and fellow Ragnarian Courtney, who decided to give her student loan debt the middle finger. Courtney shared her story on the podcast in season three, episode two and three, so you can make sure to check that out. And after 18 months, she was officially 100% debt-free. And then six months after that, she now has 17K in the bank. Damn. 
All right, so now what Courtney is doing is she's giving other people the taste of financial freedom that she got by coaching people like you for free. So you can give the middle finger to credit card debt, student loan debts, or any other financial decisions that you're looking to alleviate yourself from. You can reach out to Courtney and start a complimentary financial coaching session by emailing her and we'll put her email in the show notes. All right, back to the podcast. Well, I'd love to just um, reminisce about Van. Vancouver to <laughs> Seattle all day long because it's so the probably the coolest place I've ever lived. Um, and I would love to just talk to you, Maya, about your injury. So, like, in the context of this conversation of, like, pushing yourself, I know you've experienced that firsthand of just, like, your body. I think in part one you were like, my body was literally screaming to me, pay attention. And you weren't. And so can you just maybe explain what that was like while you were in it and also in hindsight, kind of what you now notice from that experience? Yeah, for sure. Um, so one thing that I find very interesting, so, cause as we've mentioned, like I was a, uh, spin instructor for actually, I think about three and a half years. And it's, funny because in my rides I used to always go back to the feeling like I would try to be like aim for this or aim for that but then I would always at the end of my little thing be like but really just go back to how you're feeling and so like that's just kind of where it felt home for me like I was like okay this feels right this feels like this is what I need to hear and people need to hear but in my own reality yeah my body was screaming at me and I ended up developing an actual injury that I didn't notice because I just kind of didn't associate it with anything. Um, but the injury was, um, like actually in my pelvic floor. Um, and so it ended up kind of affecting my hip and my leg muscles. Like I didn't realize how much that had to do with everything. Um, I think just because we don't talk about it a lot, like it's just, it's not a conversation that comes up um, and really actually where I started to notice it um, was in my, my personal life and like my, my intimate life was where I really started to notice this. And the, I was so embarrassed to admit that like, I, um, you know, I didn't enjoy um, sex. Like I didn't enjoy um, being intimate because there was so much pain there but then on the other end in my public life here I am as a motivator like pushing through pushing through but at the same time telling people to like listen to their body and like do what feels right when this entire time I was like getting this progressively worse injury from this like repetitive movement that I wasn't um you know I wasn't on kind of my end like what I'm looking for like not essentially like rehabbing it but you know like um compensating for it you know I, I wasn't doing anything or really even noticing that it was there um and you know when it came time to like really look at this and be like what is this like what's happening um I ended up seeing well I saw a massage therapist because the the pain had gotten so bad into my left leg like it, it wasn't even it was a problem that was going all the way down into my foot and 
he was like, he could actually just assess based on the way I was moving and things were going on. Like, I think this is your pelvic floor. And at the same time, this is actually really weird how things worked out. It was about maybe a week or two before this that I had said, like, I, I'm going to go to the doctor. Like, I think that this is something that could be a real issue. I need to go to the doctor. I think it was like that same week I went to the massage therapist, went to the doctor. He said he was going to refer me to a gynecologist. Then I saw the gynecologist the next week. She told me the same thing. Um, and so I just essentially had three different health practitioners, like, tell me the exact same thing. Like, and then I went to a physio appointment, I think a few days later, and she confirmed it, that it was an injury in my pelvic floor where it was like pulling too far to one side because naturally the human body will always kind of go to one side. Like it's, it's never really quite equal, but when you do that repetitive movement, what happened to me was, um, it, I just kept relying on the same side and then it just ended up building like a pull and then the other side just became weaker and weaker and then at the end of it all I have this injury um and I mean I think I mentioned in the last episode like my body was screaming at me before like I had been through you know like cold after cold like flus like I was getting ill I was having these like skin rashes like pop up I was um having all these things happening to me but I just like pushed through I was like if I want to get anywhere with this like with this professionally then I need to just suck it up and push through um and when I thought I was kind of getting better I found out that it was actually I still had these like injuries and ailments um but it was just something that I had never talked about because I was so I was so embarrassed by it and I was so um like worried as to what people thought. And honestly, it, I never even would have associated the two things together. Um, so yeah, it just kind of ended up that in the end, this was all, all connected. And I just, I was not paying attention and in fact, actively ignoring it because I felt like hopefully if I just didn't talk about it, then no one would ever have to know. And then it would just go away. But that obviously was not the case. And here I am today going to physio. Um, well, I was going every week. And then, of course, everything happened. And now where I am, it's opening up again. So I'm back to about every week. But I'm seeing a physiotherapist for it actively. And, um, yeah, so here I am now. But Had you ever connected the sex the sex stuff with it or did they seem like two totally separate things at first they seem like two totally separate things and I mean when you feel pain in that area like it's it's it can be scary and especially repetitive pain like at first I was just like ah like maybe it was just you know that position or like you know maybe it was just like a day for me or whatever and then it was happening more often than not like and it was really affecting um you know my like love life like with my partner like it was really becoming a huge block and I never once was like you know this could be an injury like you start to think almost more like into that like more diseases area right like is there something down there like is this something that I need to get checked out and they they did that like they did 
you know, some ultrasounds, they um, took blood work, they did all that. And they were like, no, you're all good. You're all good. And then it finally took me just saying it to my massage therapist. I was like, this is an issue for me. And he was like, yeah, there's, there is a problem. And all of a sudden it was like a big domino effect. And it was just like, okay, this is it. Like I had been going through this issue and just, yeah, I essentially thought that something was wrong. And I think I was more scared to figure it out than to actually kind of admit that it could be, you know, something that's being caused by, by physical activity. So wild. I mean, on a totally other level, um, like this is not the same, but it kind of is. I, in the last like six months to a year have developed like these incredibly, like incredible bags under my eyes. Like, and I have been buying all these like creams and things to just like how, you know, you can like tighten up the skin and like da 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 da. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, and then I don't, it dawned on me the other day that like instead of trying to just cover it up, and I don't really want to talk about it either because I feel like I look so old and I'm embarrassed about it. And, like how at my age is this happening? And like, I just look all worn down. And I was like, all of a sudden it clicked on me that like my sleep is, has been shit. Like the whole last year I lived in an apartment where there was construction constantly going on and, and on top of a bunch of other stuff. So I, instead of just like, I actually had bought a, this one topical thing that actually caused these like bumps on my eyes like pretty quickly and so I was like shit and now I'm allergic to like the best stuff out there I had there's nothing I can do I was like feeling super sorry for myself and and then it clicked that like okay well what's actually the root cause of this instead of just trying to cover up the situation and pretend that it's not there and just like oh this is just like this thing that I have that I'm embarrassed about that I'm going to just, you know, I just want it to go away. Um, I actually started paying attention to like, what are you eating? And are you sleeping very well? And what, when do you sleep well? When don't you sleep well? And I think when I sit here, I'm like, I always kind of have had that genetically, even in my twenties, I remember that. And I've always been super stressed out. So, um, I don't know, I've started to now shift to like, not what can I do to cover up the situation, but like, what can I do to be, to take care of myself? <laughs> and it sounds so obvious, but <clears throat> I don't know, there just seems to be like a parallel there that I can relate to the embarrassment factor, which is so weird. Like, it's embarrassing to get an injury. It's like, even being able to say like, oh, I'm not able to do this today because of this. Like, I remember even in, in the studio where Janelle and I worked, it was like, I don't know, there was almost like shame around the fact that like, oh, my body couldn't handle it or something like that, which is crazy. But it is, I do think that that's kind of the world that we live in. Yeah, I was even thinking when you were talking about your profession and how it's just like pushed through, pushed through, like some people might be like, well, you know, I'm not in the fitness world, so this doesn't apply to me, but so many people do that in other industries too, but just with the level of stress that they're putting on their body and anxiety and just like it's, you know, overworking themselves, maybe not even physically, but 
emotionally, mentally, and they're just like, well, I need to do this. I need to do this. I don't need sleep. I don't need to eat. I'll just have more caffeine. Like, it's fine. I need to get this done because I need to get to that next level of my career. And I, I mean, and I had been there too. And I mean, hopefully I don't do it again, but I think it's an easy trap to, to fall into, to not have those boundaries and limits to know, like there are things that are more important at least, I guess you could decide that that's the most important thing in your life. But for me, and I think a lot of people, there are plenty of things that are more important in your life than a profession. Like you can get a new job, you can get a new profession, but you only have one body in this life. And anyone who's had an injury, like, you know, that it doesn't really go away. Like it can get better, but you will at least like I have a shoulder injury and I've had it for years and I, it'll be something that I will always have to like nurse and work on and foam roll and use a lacrosse ball to dig it out because it's, it's not going to go away. And it was like for me trying to do a muscle up like, Ooh, I'm so glad when I was 20, I could do a muscle up. (laughs) Now I have the shoulder injury. That's really annoying for the rest of my life like you know what did I really get from that um so it just like sparked in my mind just to connect the dots if people are like well I'm not you know I'm not a fitness professional like this does apply to so many other things yeah it really it really does and I mean yeah like it it's like you said it's not just about fitness right it's about you know working or even sometimes how we you know are just in our day-to-day life like it's I think we're, and I, I, it's hard to say because sometimes I don't know if it's because of the people I'm, a, I'm around who seem to be noticing this or if this is actually like a change that's happening. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like people are really starting to, to recognize this. But at the same time, there is still such a drive for like pushing and for, you know, always creating and always working and always, and, you know, if you're not going to you're not going to go anywhere if you don't push or you don't, you know, you don't make things happen for yourself. But I think sometimes that can be, while it can be good to a point, it can become like detrimental in, in the sense that we end up pushing past, you know, our limits and, and where we can go. And then it ends up leaving us yeah, with an injury or like you said, like an injury doesn't necessarily always have to be physical. I mean, like I have gotten sick from overstress, right? And then it takes a while to build that back up because now you're sick and then you have to, you know, you have to kind of nurse that sickness. And then you have to admit that, you know, and that's really hard too, is just admitting that you might actually just need to be like doing less or like getting to the root cause of it. Like like you guys said, like it, that can be so hard to admit that sometimes the only thing you need to do is like eat better or just go to sleep earlier or just maybe work less or take a day off or, you know, don't do that workout that you're planning on doing today. If that's not what your body feels and that can be the hardest part, but it's. Yeah, totally. I, it reminds me of when I had a concussion, like there's something about if you, like physically break your leg, right? It's like, well, I can't walk on it. Like that's a, it sort of forces you. But I remember when I got hit by a car that like two years back and I ended up getting a concussion and like I did rest for about a week after it happened. And then it was like, no, like I'm going to go back to work. Like I'm fine. And so I went back to work then. And like after three or four days of 
going back to work, it was like, you know, things were blurry. Like I was, I basically felt drunk all the time. Like I, you know, I was having a hard time focusing and, um, it was like really hard to admit for something that wasn't as like obvious, you know, it's just like, and I think that's, this is like stress, anxiety, like all the, all the things that build up in our body, like you can't necessarily see it. It might, Rachel, kind of to your point, like manifest in something else in your body. But I had a really hard time just being like, like, there's something going on here. And even though you can't see it and like, yes, you're having symptoms, but you need to sit out and you need to sit out for a lot longer than you think, because even after I was like, okay, so I have a concussion, I'm going to rest. And then it was like, rest for a week. And I'm like, you're fine. You can go back. But like, I mean, like a concussion is a great example of something that like, it'll just keep coming back. Like it doesn't go away until you fully heal it. And someone described it as like a snow globe, right? It, you won't be healed until the last flake falls. And if you shake the snow globe before the last flake falls again, like you, it almost just like restarts everything. And having that experience, it taught me a lot of other things about my body too. And just healing in general, like we tend to be like, well, I'm almost healed. I'm going to push forward. Or this doesn't seem like a big deal because it's not something physically I can see. I'm just going to keep pushing. I'm just going to keep pushing. And I had to really sit down during that experience and just like, I mean, physically sit down, but also my ego um, and just take a step back and, and say, like, this is your brain. This is serious. And you're going to have to say, even if you think you're healed, give yourself another two, three weeks. And that was really hard for me. Really, really hard. But I learned a lot. Yeah, you guys both bring up some really interesting things that I just want to highlight. One of which is that whether, you know, the context that we're talking about are physical injuries, specifically from physical activities, but we can learn, like our bodies signal to us even when through our bodies, obviously, <laughs> even when we're not doing physical activity. So like I can look back when I was in advertising and I was working 90 plus hours a week, there were tweaks and twinges. There were things happening in my body that my body was actually talk, telling me about. Like it was trying to communicate with me. And so there, you know, whether it's a sickness, whether it's an injury, um, you can actually, and I didn't know this, but my therapist was telling me that if you have um, depression, you can actually manifest physical injuries. So like, yes, that is possible. And it doesn't have to just be because, you know, you ran around the block too fast or you did too much from a physical activity. It can be doing too much in other ways. You can have, you know, the mental health injuries, emotional injuries. I mean, if you, you know, I'm kind of calling them all injuries, but all of those indicators are of things that are showing up that we kind of don't want to look at are all um, what I'm hearing us all say is like there are signs across the board um, that can be almost like a sprained ankle except it it manifests in an inability to let yourself cry an inability to control your anger you know like there are lots of different ways of paying attention to what our system is trying to tell us. And it doesn't just have to be that a physical um, 
deficit or a physical gap or a physical situation manifests in a physical injury. It could be that they kind of cross over. And that's kind of interesting to consider. Um, and again, you know, the way to pay attention is slowing down enough to recognize like, shit, maybe these two totally seemingly unrelated things actually are coming from the same, you know, general issue or learning point or insight that's trying to come through. And if I slow down enough to like, what could that be? Maybe I would learn something. And, you know, do we have the ability to do that? It's just so fascinating. What a cool conversation, honestly. Yeah. As you, as you call out the inability to cry, like, oh, <laughs> that's the first hurt. thing that came to me. I feel attacked. <laughs> but I'm speaking happening? for myself too. Like, I, I can feel, again, when I was in advertising, I remember choking back emotion. And like, that's an injury. That's like an emotional injury, right? Like, you know, I'm going to call it that today. Like, yeah. My inability to allow that expression to flow, like built up into something like that, you know, that's, that's an injury that I'm doing to myself to not allow myself to express my feelings, you know? No, um, totally. it's, <laughs> I say it because I'm literally, I mean, you know this, but I'm working through all of that right now and yeah. just, yeah, how it manifests and how like all the different parts of your body. This is kind of a rabbit hole, but I feel like maybe people can connect with it. I had the the invitation to like talk. This is like, and some people are like, this is really out there, but to talk to my sadness. And because um, it's kind of the same thing, like a lot of times, yes, I mean, I do cry, but like a lot of times it gets caught in my body and just like going through the process of like, okay, so what's stopping you from being sad? Let's check in with your mind. What is your mind saying? Well, your mind shutting it off because it's been taught to shut it off because it's been taught to protect yourself. So like, can the mind turn off for a second, step away and know it'll be safe? Okay, now your mind's out of the way. Can you talk to your sadness? No, actually like now in your stomach, your anxiety's flaring up and this like, and it was just this whole, it was so interesting to me as I'm going through this very, um, I mean, sort of, I don't want to say intellectual, but like, um, conscious awareness in my brain of like where I'm feeling things and like what's actually stopping me and realizing not that it's a you know bad thing like all these different parts of my body are are just trying to keep me safe but it is sort of like an injury right and like things is being overused overworked like my brain has been overworked trying to protect these parts of me that I'm not fully expressing and my anxiety, which like for me shows up in my stomach has been overworked because it's trying to protect these other parts of me because there are things that I haven't expressed. So that's why you said that. And I was like, (laughs) get out of here. Janelle, what you were doing just there was, um, practicing body, body cognition, body intelligence, Mm -hmm. like understanding your body literacy. I mean, I know I, I get it. I, invite people to have that conversation all the time yeah. and they're like what the fuck <laughs> and they I've don't say that but they look at like that yeah yeah no I've never done I mean you invited me to do it and then actually it's funny like my in therapy we've been doing it so obviously this is something and now we're having conversations about it I'm like wow something is telling me that 
I need to be having these conversations because it is, it's, I mean, it feels like the overuse of even certain parts of my body, not even just from physical exercise, but from suppression or pushing things down. So it is, yeah, there's so many, so many different facets to this. Well, and I appreciate your like patience with yourself in that because you know, it is, it's not supernatural for a lot of people to, like I was a dancer, so I think we were often asked to like consider what different parts of our body were feeling and emoting. And so there was kind of this abstract area that we played with through our bodies. Um, but I had never, when I first started, you know, considering this, I had never really asked my body what wisdom it had to share with me either. And the first step for me was really in even inviting myself to recognize, to go like, okay, can I focus on sending my breath to my head? Yes. Okay. I got that. Can I focus on sending my breath to my heart? Okay. I think so. Oh, I think I felt something. Yeah. I think that feels different. Go with it. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. What feels different? What feels different about being here? And just like allowing as crazy as it seemed, allowing it to be whatever it was and just being like, I don't have to be attached to this, but let's just explore. Let's just see what's here. And then when I could start to delineate like, oh yeah, there is a difference between head responses and heart or head experience and heart experience. So let me just see if I asked my brain what it thought, what it comes up. Okay, now breathe into my heart. What does my heart say? Okay. And just like playing with it and like not needing it to be anything different, but that's allowing yourself to have experiential expertise of your body you know and whether my it sounds like a voice or it's different it's like and then learning how to trust that process for yourself builds confidence in knowing your own system but you really do you kind of have to really at least I I'll speak from I I had to really let go of the people in my life who I care about who would have been like you're crazy. That's stupid. You can't trust that. Um, the naysaying voices, whether it's from society or the people that I care about or my own self, it's like, I really had to work at like, what world do I want to live in? Do I want to live in a world where it's stupid for me to have a conversation with myself and not gain more wisdom and resourcefulness from wherever I can? Or do I want to live in a world where I potentially could get insight from a place that I didn't expect to get it from And it might be the wisest thing that I ever heard. Fuck yeah, I want to be in that. And if that is weird and woo-woo and magical and whatever to somebody else, if it is making me become the the best version of myself, then then I'm going to keep doing it until I've gained the confidence to be able to live in that without needing it to be okay for anybody else. But it was like baby steps. Um... And I share that from a standpoint of like, it's really easy for me to sit here today after years and years and years of like practicing this. And I still sometimes am like, I can't tell who's talking and what they're saying. Um, But it can be easy to sit here and just be like, it's just this. But it's not just this. (laughs) It took like me really trusting and 
And surrounding myself with people who are willing to have a conversation with me and get curious, not tell me what it was supposed to be like, but be like, well, just try it. I mean, you ultimately get to do whatever the hell you want. Like <laughs> It's your life. And so that permission to play in that space and, um, and not be made fun of and not make in a space where I could not make fun of myself was really important for me to gain the momentum, I guess, to, to start to live into that space of body intelligence and, and all the other stuff. I'll just add to in that the exact example I was just describing, I never actually quote unquote talked to my sadness because too many other things in my body were stopping me. And it was like an hour of doing it. So also just the acceptance that it does, it takes time and that's normal. And like you were saying, you've never done it before. So you like it, it's going to take practice. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm loving this. I have to share that there was a point, I think, when you guys were both talking where I, well, actually, I think I've had my hand up the entire time, just like, yeah, like. (laughs) (laughs) Just interrupt us. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just loving this. And um, there was so many things that both of you guys said that I have, some of the things, you know, I feel like I kind of like knew, but at the same time, never really heard anybody else say it. So like, you know, like, you feel embarrassed to almost like think those things or like, can I, would it be weird if I did this? Or like you said, like talk to my sadness, like, would that be weird? Like, you know, it makes you feel uncomfortable or there's things stopping you. And in the coaching program that I am currently doing, like becoming a soul coach, um, both the one who's running it and we had a guest speaker that kind of talked to us about this, like really connecting into yourself um and one thing they talked about was connecting in like going in versus going out and then by going in you can go up like getting your answers from within and up and Chanel when you were kind of talking about even just like sitting there and at, you know trying to like ask yourself those questions like why do I feel this way and why am I holding this down or what's going on here like that's a huge first step because I think so often we have these things come up, whether they're a physical injury or an emotion or a feeling, or we're scared about something. And the first thing we do is like go out. And it was so cool. And they, they both talked about this was like, you know, those are other people's perceptions. That's that society that is, you know, they're going to all have their own opinions, but really nobody knows what's going on or how you feel except for you. And it's so funny that like when I was on, you know, when I was listening to this guest speaker and I was listening um, to my coach, like talk about this, it felt so crazy. But then I remembered all these rides that I had. And I used to say that all the time, like to go within and like not look outward and like just think and I I would always have a track or two or three even where I'd be like okay just connect in but yet it still felt like a foreign concept because I hadn't not that I wasn't practicing it in those moments but like in my day-to-day there was so many opportunities that I had to just sit with however I was feeling or whatever was coming up whether it was physical or emotional and just ask myself, like, where is this coming from? Like, what is this? Why is it like this? Is this a reoccurring pattern? Or is this something that's, 
new. And I think listening to both of you two talk, like, got me so excited because this, this is such a, like, a concept that feels so good for me, but it's also new and, like, very, like, it's it's very exciting. And, and we all hold so much power in just listening to what we have to say. And then from there, they, I won't get too far into it, but they talk about then being able to like reach up for answers. Right. And that almost goes more into like spirituality, but like just even just being in and not going to the, to the people around you um, for those things is so important. And it's so important in the context of this conversation and just even with injury alone. Totally. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. I was excited there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah. And, and I'll share too that there's like, this is where I, and I'm going to try to not go down too much of a rabbit hole here because I really want to talk about your injury. Um, but as somebody who is part of kind of like the self-help world now as like an integral player, yeah, I'm going to fucking own that. I'm an integral player of that industry. Um, I see it's so easy to just like read the book, have the concepts, have new verbiage for it, have verbiage that fits, but to still be experiencing all that in your head and to not, actually be have it integrated into your experience and so I think what you are what I'm hearing and I could be wrong so you can tell me that I'm wrong but what I'm hearing is that you understand the concept of going in versus going out like we can all like we can get it I get it I understand yes I'm am I going out for my answers or am I seeking from within but to truly actually do that and to know what it feels like to be able to go in and receive an answer from within and then live that out and to trust it very different and to speak from a place where you actually have experienced and integrated that truth for yourself or another truth is so different than and I think that's where I get I get hung up with some of the self-help conversations that are out there and the the rah-rah cheerleaders that are out there it's like cool, we can all grasp these concepts. That's amazing. And you know what? Maybe that's the first step is like, we need the language. And I think maybe now we're at a point in our society where we can start to move on to the experiential practice of it. And like, cool, these concepts are great. And like, fucking try it on. Improve to yourself whether it works for you or not. That's where the gold is to me. And don't just take it for fucking Tony Robinson's word. Like, Take it and be like, I love that concept. That's cool. Let me try, let me actually drop it in. And like, what does it actually feel like? Fuck, I can't do it today. Like, this isn't working. I don't know if this works. Let me try it again because something, it, it could work. You know, it's like, there's that difference. And I think so much of the, I'm just calling it self-help, but I think wellness world is based on the the cognitive reality, the the analytical reality, the rational thinking reality of the experience versus our actual experiential reality, the integrated reality of like, here's how it actually plays out in my system. Um, so anyways, I just felt like I needed to call that out um, because as somebody who is now 
holding space for these types of conversations. It's one thing for me to just tout these things. And it's another thing for me to be trying it on and learning it for myself and, and experiencing it so that I can actually say, don't just tell it to yourself in your head. Try, like, do it. Experience it for yourself because you might have a nuance that is, you will have a nuance that's different for you. And that nuance is going to make, is going to be the game, the game changer. And at a high level, we're going to describe, maybe describe it the same, but experientially it will be different. And your experience for you is going to be the, the thing. It, and that's, I guess that's my truth. Whew. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And just to let you know, like, yeah, that is, that is correct. And I think one thing I'll just mention really quick is when it came to being a motivator, I often felt this like, like, am I really like these things are just coming like these words, like they, they feel so right. But am I always in the practice of these things? And like you said, like you don't necessarily have to be to understand the concepts, but there is a noticeable difference, I think, between those who, who truly like understand them and, you know, embody them, whether they are have like a regular practice or they're just like, yeah, Take, which I think is is it Tony Roberts or Tony Robinson because now I'm confused Tony Robbins it's Tony Robbins I didn't even get it right neither of us <laughs> I was <laughs> like I don't know I hope Rachel has the answer yeah, it's Tony Robbins <laughs> and no no rub on him he's done phenomenal things for people I just that was like a it's like an easy go-to which is totally not fair but yeah it, no and it's not like anything about him like he is brilliant and he is fascinating to watch and be but that's who he is at his core right like those things like that is that is his gift like that is right and but you can easily just like take a quote from him and then repeat it right and that's like super easy but yeah do you understand the, the concepts and I think at a point it it really was hard to to look at sometimes the things I was saying and ask myself like is this truly me or am I just like repeating it and what I've learned in this whole process of listening to my body of going through this coaching program of being coached of you know just really trying to connect inward I was like that stuff was there for a reason it's because like I knew it inherently but I was never really in the practice of it and now I'm starting to understand that there you know there is a difference there and have kind of let go of that idea like yeah you always need to be perfect in order to you know say those things and I think that also happens in the self-help world right where it's like you're you're coaching somebody or you're helping somebody through something and then people just assume that you're at that level all day every day but that's not necessarily true it's just a matter of trying it and being in the practice of it and you know, using your own opportunities to do the same things that you're, that you're giving to other people or telling other people to do. So just a quick note on that. Yeah, it's absolutely mm-hmm. not true that you have your shit together. I feel I'm like, just... I don't know. I feel like anyone who is helping other people who's claiming that they have their shit together, fucking run. <laughs> That's <laughs> not real. <laughs> I just sent Rachel a meme, and <laughs> so applicable. It was, do you know um, Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants? That I do know, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a very high-level concept. I hope everyone can understand. <laughs> so it was a meme of Patrick, and the first one was like, 
well, it was actually related to horoscopes, but it was like Leo's helping other people with their problems. And Patrick's dressed up like a scientist, looking under a microscope, like very professional, you know, being all smart and stuff. And then it's like Leo's with their own problems. And Patrick's nailing a board into his forehead and like using all the wrong tools. And I'm like, yup, <laughs> like me with other people's problems. I'm like, oh, here, here's how you simply do it. Just connect inward, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like me and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so yes, very relatable. I, mean, I feel like I'm a Virgo and I swear that's what all of our memes are about. It's yeah. like helping you organize your life. And then it's like, they're like this shabby and it's like their own life. And it's just in ruins. <laughs> okay, I feel like that's, maybe that's Everyone. just human. <laughs> I think it's everyone. That's why I'm sharing. I'm like, it's really not a Leo thing. I think it's an everyone thing. Like what we're basically saying. We're just like, oh, from the outside, here are the answers. And on the inside, you're just like, I see nothing. But yeah. it is, I don't understand. But it is, it's been interesting. I, I don't know, for me and Janelle, like you might be having a different experience, but like even doing this podcast, it's like we, I sometimes am like, who the fuck is going to want to listen to us just wrestle with like, oh, I'm struggling to do this again, you know? But it's like, you know, and I think when we started doing this, it was like, where's that line of like, where's the value that we're adding? You know, if we're not experts or we're not giving people like, here's the answer, then what value are we bringing? And the more that we've been doing this, because we do like something beautiful is happening here for sure. And we feel that every time we get off the phone with our guests and just the the inspiration and the energy that we feel um and now you know we have had a few reviews from people but where i'm landing is like i'm really proud of us for choosing not to be experts because i think that's actually the value that we're bringing is that um a value around a space for imperfection like real a real conversation not not from from people who are leaders in their field and are still figuring it out and and there is a a huge value in being invited into that space and to see that to to normalize to remove the hierarchy and to just say like fuck man we're all just there's so much we don't know and you know today I'm doing really great at this and I can trust this in myself more often than not. And you're really fucking awesome at that. Sometimes you, you're you not there and like we can have that conversation. And what does it actually mean to be alive, a conscious being floating on this fucking piece of sand that nobody knows what the fuck's actually ultimately going to happen? And like who am I as this little slice of the pie and as part of the bigger picture and you know, as things continue to unfold in the reality that we've created for ourselves that we happen to be in today. Um, whew, all right, I am like really on a, another planet today. <laughs> okay, I really wanna, <laughs> I'm reeling myself in and I really want to have a conversation with you, Maya. Um, you know, it's, it's not gonna be the most in-depth one, but having an injury that impacts your sexual organs and like having an injury that impacts your sexual intimacy and your sexual wellness. I think it's a topic that is just 
oh, it feels like it's avoided to me. And at first I was like, as a woman, without really having, um, you know, we don't, I feel like we tend to have movies with penises that are out there way more than anything else. And, you know, the impact of that, but even just in general. So like removing the gender piece, like just being a human that has, is having an injury that has to do with your, like, with sex. Like, what was that like for you? It was, honestly, it was, it was hard. Like, and in the beginning when I had no idea that it was an injury, you know, you feel like, I mean, still even after finding out that it was an injury, but particularly before, I felt like there was something wrong with me. Like, I felt like, you know, it was, it was like a problem that was, that was me. And it was my problem alone. And I remember I used to hang out with my friends who are, I'm very close to, and like, I love them so much, but they, you know, I am also in like a very long-term relationship, um, and them not as much. So they have all these experiences and they talk and like, they laugh. And then, you know, I can't even feel, I, I didn't even feel like I could talk about the, you know, my love life, let alone the fact that I, actually wasn't enjoying it like you know and they would talk about oh like well it's been how long since I've been with somebody or whatever and it's like I've got this person who I love who I sleep in the same bed with who you know I would go to sometimes three months at a time right and here they are like you know talking about how much they they miss human connection or you know they just want somebody in and, and then I felt like ashamed to admit the fact that I have somebody and I just genuinely didn't enjoy sex at all and that was really hard to admit and it was honestly it was shameful and I I'm a big research person too which I'm also trying to kind of reel back that a bit because that is reaching out but at a point I was like I don't know what this is and I'm not sure if I should be worried and you even you you look it up and there was not one thing about it possibly just being an injury it was always there was it could be cancer or it could be endometriosis or it could be um you know like vaginismus which is like um which is I think actually something that I developed with the injury because it causes like a like a what's the word I'm looking for like an, a mental like emotional response and then what it does is it like tightens up the muscles so essentially nothing can enter. It's like a form of self-protection for the body. Holy um, shit. That's crazy. I developed that at a point too. And that I've been able to kind of like relax. And I, I just have to, it's, I remember I've had experiences where I've had to literally like breathe and tell myself out loud that I'm okay. Like I'm okay. I'm not in danger. I am okay. And like, that is hard. Like that is really hard to like, you want to have this like experience with your partner. And then you have to sit there and be like, I'm okay. It's I'm safe. Nothing is wrong. And I literally have had times where I have been crying. Like I, I have just been sad because it like, or it hurts like in your crying, Right. And that's no fun. Like nobody wants, and that's not fun for, you know, him either. So yeah, it's, um, but it, it was always something that was like, you know, an actual, like, medical problem you know that had to be dealt with with you know medications or surgery which also I as I kind of now understand feels like that's terrifying and it's you know that can be 
shameful, I think, in itself, right? And it can be so hard to be like, I have this. And like, this is something that I like live with. And you don't have to broadcast it to the world. But just like admitting like, this is, this is a thing, and I'm going to have to deal with this. And it's going to be something that's going to linger. Um, but yeah, there's nothing even about injuries. And I, I think we go back to the talk about injuries, sometimes feeling you feel embarrassed to admit. Um, and, you know, this kind of brought two worlds together this brought you know the place that I work and a thing that I absolutely loved and I was I I didn't want to tell any of my riders in fact I think if my riders were to listen to this they would be shocked to find out that my hip injury was actually a pelvic floor injury um I don't think that they know that because I didn't tell a lot of people and then you know to admit that this was an injury and like yeah honestly it was it was really hard I I appreciate you sharing the reality. I remember I have seven friends from college, including me. And as we started getting older, we Marco Polo all the time now. And one of them, I can't even remember what it was, but one of them was like, you guys, I am just going to throw it out there because I don't know what else to do. But she was having something. I wish I could remember what it was. Something was going on with her vagina. And so she was like, and like it was so normal to the rest of us because we were like oh yeah that fucking that's totally and then she was like what and and like I was watching um an Instagram something on Instagram with the bird's papaya papaya the bird's papaya I think that's her name um but she shared something really openly about getting shingles on her vagina and I was like you know the more that we can just not that we need to like not that we need to be this in this like oversharing society. Like I don't think that that's what my like big thing is. But the more that we can normalize some of this stuff, some of the things that we get so ashamed about that are actually just our normal body responses to, you know, what we are doing to ourselves or what we are choosing to take in, whether it's content or physical fitness or contact or food um the more that we cannot maybe have an invitation to not just like sit in it for quite so long and to be able to just like move through it and not have it manifest in all these things so um yeah I just I appreciate you being so open and like honest about about the fact that yeah sometimes like yeah just the realities of it because I think it yeah. probably happens more often than um, than people ever talk about. Well, like I said there's like so many different reasons. I mean, it can be because of an injury, but even I've had periods of time in my life where just for whatever reason, and it's probably a lot of it is stress-related or you know, it goes back to all the other quote-unquote injuries that we were just talking about before that might not even be physical, like just haven't had – like the drive to have sex and there's like a lot of shame around that in society and even amongst like even having a partner like I had been in partnerships and they're just like well why don't you want to like I don't understand or you you know and then sometimes people take it and they kind of make it about them they're like well am I you know are you not attracted to me or whatever and it's like no like there are so many things that are going on so then it almost feels at least for me it was just like okay well like you have to do it then to appease other people, which is not true and like a terrible way to view it. But that's how I felt. I was like, I'm 
embarrassed and like people look at me like there's something wrong with me because of it. And now I feel like I just have to do it because I'm disappointing other people. And it like, it's been a big spiral for me in my life around like sexual wellness and like how you listen to your body, but then also the balance of your relationship and having people understand it or having people understand like the flexit, you know, fluctuations. That's what I'm looking for. Fluctuations of like your, your sex drive, depending on what's happening in your life. And I mean, it's so many intricacies. So I just appreciate hearing someone else talk about it because it's something in my past that I've felt a ton of shame around. Yeah. And I totally, like, I get that. And, you know, like we don't, and I, I think there's definitely a lot more coming up. You know, there's lots of really incredible like doctors and practitioners and actually there's a woman who lives um here in the city that I'm in and she does a uh like she is like a sex and life coach but she's also like she is like the sexual health coach at the university here now um and she's been sharing so much like amazing information and like she's truly like doing the work to like normalize this. And like, you know, just because you feel low desire doesn't mean that, you know, there's something wrong with you and there's all these factors that can come into play. And yeah, I think, you know, too, with this whole social media, you know, day and age and um, not necessarily that people always share, you know, people share their sex lives on social media, but there's this idea that like, you know, you look at somebody's relationship and you will immediately compare yours to them. Like I don't post a lot with my partner um, just because I'm not a huge poster and I don't feel the need to like broadcast my relationship, but you know, you will immediately look at other people's relationships and compare yours to them. Even sometimes before you've you've noticed it. Right. And then it can also happen when, yeah, you're talking to other people or, you know, friends who are also in relationships or friends who aren't, and you, you talk to them and they tell you about their desire, your desire. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's another thing that can be so difficult sometimes to, to navigate because then, yeah, and you can be sitting there feeling so, you know, like ashamed or embarrassed or just like, worried about like well am I okay like because I don't you know because I can go through periods of time where I I don't want it or whatever and um that I think can really be like you know an ego thing too um wanting to you know and I think like Rachel you just had that little like mention of like penises and like film and like tv um and you know and I can't, I've watched so many different like documentaries and like things about this and I find it so fascinating. Um, but they talk a lot about how like sex is portrayed in movies and it's like the, the women's perspective and the women's, the woman's side. And even just like, yeah, like vaginas, like people don't know that vaginas all look different. People don't know that like, you know, it's, sex can look so much different than what it does on movies because that just isn't necessarily a real depiction. You know, you don't have to make certain sounds or do certain things. Um, and yeah, it can be so hard to, to recognize that because it's all that we see, right? It's like, it's everything that's out there is telling us one thing. Um, but there's, 
there's so much more to to all of this and yeah I this topic is just yeah so interesting to me and I think at first I was so uncomfortable sharing these things and now I'm realizing that even just talking to you two just how many people sometimes just need to need to even just hear this like that it's okay and it actually took me reading it was like the weirdest thing but a newspaper article like a full page newspaper article about this and the fact that these issues are so common for me to finally like breathe a sigh of relief and be like huh wow like like this is these are real issues that like people more than just me have been going through and this is actually normal like this isn't weird this is normal and there is resources and things I can do about it like I had no idea pelvic floor physio was a thing it took a newspaper article like getting off the internet not even asking not even at a point just like trying to tell myself that it was okay it took just this random random article to tell me like you can breathe you're okay you're not the only one one I totally can relate to what you said earlier Janelle about like Sometimes I, I mean, intimacy for me and comes in so many different shapes and sizes. And um, I mean, hell, I like, I love sex. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's great. But to connect with somebody on like um, uh, an emotional, like having a conversation, that type of intimacy for me on like this other level of being able to hold space for somebody to be who they are and that's like, holy shit. Um, and they both have their place for me. Um, but I can, I can totally relate to, um, times when I have been like, just hasn't been top of mind for me for whatever reason and how that can be misconstrued. And then all of a sudden I'm second guessing myself. Um, so I can relate. And I just wanted to say that, um, I do think it's really normal. And, when you were talking, Maya, have you seen Goop Lab? Yes. Okay, yes. the I, episode. I, that's yeah. what episode you're talking about. Yeah, that episode for me was like, whoa, because it was the first time. And if you haven't watched Goop Lab, um, basically their content content team, um, they have a, they've created a series where they are just kind of trying out different avant-garde forms of wellness, whether it's energy healing medicinal mushrooms or just straight up mushrooms um and then they have a sexual wellness a female sexual wellness one um where they go there's a woman in new york and i'll link to the to the show in the show notes but i highly recommend watching it i when i watched it they flash up on the screen like i don't know 10 10 different vaginas and i was like what and i remember being like can they do that <laughs> are they allowed to show a vagina like that right now? And like, there's a woman who orgasms on there and it's very tasteful. But even the fact that I'm like saying that, like, I I don't know. It's just like, it's so, it it totally like blew open my idea of like, yeah, it is kind of fucked up that like we, I have literally never seen that many vaginas before. I didn't know that many different types of vaginas existed. I... For sure, like, when I've, like, thought about my own or looked at my own, been like, I have no idea if this is normal or not. There's a lot going on down there. I kind of don't want to think about it. I'm going to move on now. And and just, like, 
in that moment, I actually think that it did totally shift something in me of like, you exactly what you were saying. Like, it doesn't need to sound and look a certain way. So then I started asking myself, are you trying to make this look the way you think it's supposed to look or sound the way you think it's supposed to sound? And if you did, if it didn't matter, how would it sound for you? And just paying attention to like how I naturally sound when I'm like feeling good. And it's been so fat. And some of it honestly is like, actually that is how I sound. <laughs> like when I'm not trying, it's the same. Um, but then there's been other aspects of like, oh, I mean, like she teaches you in there how you can, well, not, I don't know if it's like universal, but she's like, this is a pretty like universal way for girls to be able to just, or uh, humans with the female anatomy to be able to orgasm. And it's like, where nobody ever taught me that, you know? And it's like, so I don't know, I appreciated that episode just to start to normalize for myself um, some of the things that I like it's okay to feel good it's okay to feel good in the way I want to feel good it's okay to feel good not when I'm having sex and when I'm not having sex like it's okay to have my vagina look this way it's okay to have it not look that way <laughs> like um and just yeah I don't really know where I'm going with it except that I'm grateful to to you, Maya, to be willing to come on to here and for us to be willing to just extend the seeds that are starting to drop other places. And to, I'm proud of myself for choosing to not be uncomfortable and be like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or what I, you know, and who's going to listen to this and like, would my mom want to hear this? It's like, guess what? Like, if it doesn't change, it doesn't change. And if I'm not part of if I want something to be different and I'm not willing to do it differently, then I'm a part of continuing it the way that it has been. And so if it's a small invitation for anyone, if it's a small invitation for just myself, like this conversation just being an opportunity for me to hear myself vocalize, like that creates change. I would also just encourage people from both perspectives to be mindful of what, like you can ask for what you want but also just being like mindful of what you expect from your partner too because I know at, and I'm speaking from the female perspective very much here but like I've also been with people that are like well I mean basically and this is like a whole nother can of worms but like you don't act like the girls in pornos like it's like yeah have people <laughs> no actually shit. said that to you well not I mean not like that actual phrase but like they're calling things out that you would see in like traditional porn that was created for like men it is interesting and, mm -hmm, it's interesting. and like well you don't do this and I watched like porn since I was 13 I mean they're not saying exactly this but they've been watching porn since they're 13 and like that is their expectation then that they're putting on you and it's like well no I'm not like I'm not this fake storyline like Dude, I'm a real here's, human here's another interesting thing sorry to interrupt you but I, I just okay. There, so I have a friend who in her late 30s, well, I think she's been wrestling it for a while with it for a while, but she realized that she's also into girls. And so she had her first female relationship. And when they were having sex, she started getting made fun of for how she was 
orgasming. And the girl was like, what are you doing? You do that weird. And I'm probably getting this wrong, but this is what I, how I heard it. And I am like, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's probably true from that standpoint too, because the only lesbian scenes that you would ever see in things are so like, um, oh, what is the word I'm trying to think of? I, I mean, they're in porn and then they're probably so, I can't think of the word. Um, I mean, they're not probably real is like the, the crux of it. You know, they're um, so, so fantasized. And mm-hmm. so I can imagine that that's probably where that was coming from. And I remember at the time when she was telling me, it, I was like, that's so fucked. Like, who would say that to somebody? Like, oh my God, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like mortified and pissed and like, blah. But Dude, if people that's say it, but they I say know. it in less direct ways. Like, they're just like, oh, why aren't you like, you're not screaming. I'm like, well, one, this isn't yeah. that good. <laughs> <laughs> So that's our first problem here, but like, <laughs> but, <it laughs> but yeah, like just that expectation of yeah. like, what? Like, I'm not, that's not like, I'm not going to like, that's just not me. Like, yeah. Anyway. But that is so true. It's like, what, where do we ever get given the permission to just let, let it be what it is? And then, oh, it's so interesting. This is a can of worms, but it's a good one. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm about to just like barely scrape the surface. I also, <laughs> I saw this this morning and it sort of made me laugh. I mean, it's meant to be humorous, but I think it's, it's pretty true. It's like someone posted, it's a meme and it's like, to have a healthy vagina, we have to eat right and take enough water, use natural products, monitor our pH levels, wear breathable panties, not get too stressed, not wear too tight of clothes and pee after sex. All men have to do for a healthy penis is what? Like wash it? I fucking hate y'all. <laughs> Okay, that is not true, but... I know, I know, it's not true, but it just made me laugh. It's just like all the, again, like very much a humorous post, but yeah. no, I'm just it's like, ah, oh, so true. That like, kind of does like almost in a way like capture like female experience, right? Is that it's like uh-huh. in almost every part of our lives, it feels like there's all these things that we have to do to get to that same kind of level, whether it's like professional or it's like, you know, in our, like our beauty and, you know, just like our appearances. And I'm though, you know, I don't feel like that should be true, but in, you know, our society has created this, like we have to do so many more things seemingly to get to the same end result. And so like, I thought that like that was funny because that, kind of feels like the same you know what I mean it almost feels like just a little like representation of that and and to not not take away from that truth it's like what is what is the issue with men being able to for themselves for their own health um they kind of bypass all uh, steps they they are invited to bypass steps to get to an end result quicker and what do they miss out on as a result of that in a different way as we are having to feel like we need to take all these steps to get there and where where do you know all people get to check in with themselves you know wherever you are you know was i invited to bypass or was i was i encouraged to have to take a bunch of steps and where maybe do I need to lose some of those steps and where maybe do I need to add a few that I'm not paying attention to? Um, because I, I think both realities 
and, and like obviously from like a macro standpoint the a lot of men have benefited from being able to to bypass some of those steps but I do think it's for a short-term gain um, and long-term it does I mean you give some stuff up and it kind of depends on the thing that you're looking at as a success metric um, but I guess I just don't want to discount I'm so pro-female like equality and human equality and in the human equality standpoint recognizing how all of us have kind of been asked to modify our reality in order to fit into a structure that actually isn't working for anybody so or yeah, I guess totally I mean there are places too where like women can shortcut too yeah, based off of totally. like general society but I just thought it was funny around um you know the conversation we're having because sometimes when it comes to sexual wellness that's how I feel I'm just like I have to do this like oh shoot like I gotta go get my vagina wax I need to eat a shit ton of pineapple like what <laughs> you know, dude, like dude this... should be eating pine the pineapple too okay because <laughs> just saying <laughs> like how do I prepare like <laughs> yeah yeah well and especially when it comes to sexual wellness I mean fuck dudes have like so much pressure like I can't even imagine that I, I just I, yeah 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 and we'll definitely have to bring on a male perspective too as we yeah like I said I know we're going to continue to talk about sexual wellness and I think it'd be great to have a a male perspective on it because yeah. I was I mean I can't speak from that perspective so no. it'd be good to hear yeah theirs well, as well and I know that we're kind of getting to time so um this is yeah if you're into this conversation we definitely have some people coming on that we're going to be talking to about and unpacking this topic we have no idea where it's going to go but definitely sexual wellness or sexual like whatever it comes with that is is a territory that um feels like it's uncharted territory in terms of figuring out who you are like how do I be my truest self and how do I live my true north like your your sexual experience absolutely has to do with that so um but to finish today's conversation uh I would love Maya to hear from you I, I think we asked the question in the first episode so um Maybe there's a different way I can say it today. Oh, yeah, we did. How do you live your true north in one word? You said, well, I'm not going to say it that way. If you haven't listened to it, listen, it's really good. Um, so my question. Cliffhanger. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good That's answer. A great. Rachel, that was a great marketing <laughs> tactic. I applaud you. I was like. Um, okay, Go so back the, and listen to it. Yeah. So the question I will ask is how, how does your Okay, this is going to be a weird question. I'm thinking of it off the cuff. Um, how do you, I want to say, how does your body, what's your body's true north? No. How do you live your true north through your body? Sure, we're going to do that. How do you live your true north through your body? Freedom. Ooh. Janelle, what would you say? hate when you ask me questions you ask our guests in the spot I take forever to think um we'll have to edit it out if you have an answer we'll keep it in but if you have an answer say yours I'm gonna think for a second I'm thinking let me too. tune inward yeah patience compassion <laughs> say that with question mark that's what's coming up for me cool. compassion period cool thank you so much Maya for having this conversation um 
we'll link to the show notes for where people can get in touch with you um, on Instagram as I have that information from you from the first episode. But this has just been so amazing and I'm pretty sure we'll have you back again because yeah. you're, you're fun to chat with. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.